In this week's episode, the horror books are nailing it with two spooky house stories telling very different creepy tales, as well as a couple other exciting new titles. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back. I hope everybody's having a good weekend so far. Yes, we are ramping up into the holidays. Some of them have already started. Some are coming soon. It's a good time. Yeah. Still a weird time because it's 2020 and everything's weird. Everything is a little bit weird. But hey, we got the best gift of all, which is about 500 show and movie announcements from Disney. That is true. (laughs) There was a lot. It was overwhelming. Which is amazing. There was just fangirling all over the place i couldn't focus i didn't know which one to be more excited about and yeah too much happening too much going on but great very pleased about it ahsoka getting her own show hell yeah yeah <laughs> no that'll be tight that'd be sick i am in support it's gonna be gnarly bruh what is this the 90s i don't know <laughs> Well, let's get down to it, because we've got some comics to discuss. Indeed. Yes, and the very first one is one that I am... Oh my god, I'm so excited about it! So, you guys know that I weirdly get uh, all uppity about certain characters, and and care a lot about characters that... No one else seems to give a damn about. No way. Uh, I tend to pick on the weirdos mm. and claim them as my own. Uh, That's how we met. It's true. <laughs> it's how you got kept. Yeah. Um, but in this scenario, I got very excited because Sword is back, and Sword is being led by one Abigail Brand. Abigail Brand is a character that we don't actually know a lot about her origins. We know she's half alien, half mutant human (laughs) for some reason. Um, Okay. We know at some point she can do things like make her hands be covered in fire that can melt metals. We know that she has a brother who's green and furry. We know weird stuff, Mm -hmm. but not a whole lot. Otherwise kind of mysterious. Yes. She's very mysterious. She's actually a Joss Whedon original. Um, and then she was more heavily defined, like she was made a mutant by Kieran Gillen, believe it or not. Did she pop up in Astonishing? Was it Astonishing X-Men? Um, I have to remember which one. Her first appearance was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, was Astonishing X-Men 3. And she was fully introduced in Astonishing X-Men 6. So... She's a she's a Whedon character, but she was more fully developed and more uh, finalized as a mutant by Kieran Gillen. So the fact that it's a Whedon Gillen original that surely didn't influence me in any way in my obsession no. for the character. Um, no way. But she's a total badass, and one of the most recent depictions of her that have been really cool. She was in. Um, she was leading Alpha Flight. For Carol Danvers in a lot of the more recent Carol Danvers runs when Carol was mm-hmm. more explicitly with Alpha Flight. But the more fun one was when there was the big crossover event where all of the universes got merged into one. And there yeah, was Secret like. Wars. Yeah. And there was the big wall that was keeping out the hordes of like zombie hulks and shit. And 
her Abigail Brands got like the short end of the stick, and her job was to sit and basically guard the wall. <laughs> and there was like a I don't know, I think like a five part mini of just her hanging out on this wall, talking about stuff, and it was really really good. Nice. It was it was very independent of the rest of the crossover event so if you ever get a chance to pick that one up that one's a really good one yeah anyway back to what actually happened this week <laughs> the new um sword is a krakoa exclusive um they found the old base got rid of all the dead people on it yeah uh cleaned it up and decided to take it over and so now it is a mutant run experience um yeah for those who didn't read x of swords the old sword space station was a big part of that um early on they found it they found that it had been overrun and cleaned out uh because of some sort of interdimensional alien race that just takes stuff apart yeah. for the sake of taking it apart and assimilating it um later on in x of swords they utilized that station and that portal to said interdimensional alien race to turn the tide of their battle. Uh, and now they have a sword space station yeah. all clean of any terrible alien races and all clean of all the corpses of humans that used to be on it. Yeah. So it is now, it was effectively left for dead by the governments. And so, you know, Krakoa took it over and now it's theirs and, they're doing fun things with it, and they worked with the council of Krakoa, worked with um, Abigail Brand, and Brand was like, look, I'm going to work with you guys, but I don't look work for you guys. Yeah. Um, she very much has her own agenda, and it's cool because they sort of set up all these different departments that are working as a part of the space station but there's still a lot of holes that are being left very intentionally. There's a lot of redacted information, mm -hmm. lots of names we don't know, um, lots of new people that I'd never seen before that have really cool random mutant powers doing really cool random mutant stuff. Um, it's, it's exciting because it looks like this one's going to be kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like they're playing with, cosmic stuff that they probably shouldn't be playing with or they need to be very careful playing with and i think what's exciting for me is just that this is going to take brand who's always been very much a like subset kind of supporting character yeah. and give her a very front and center relatively important run and i think that's awesome yeah i i love when they bring characters in like that and like you said it, it this is, seems to be set up to be a pretty important x book it um i mean they spend the characters and spell themselves spend most of the time uh talking about how the sword initiative is like the future of krakoa and all this stuff um and then just narratively it you know takes a lot of really important characters and puts them at the forefront. Cable is now a part of this team, for instance. Um, and it just kind of like it, it, we, we last saw Abigail brand being upset with Captain Marvel over not being involved in, uh, dealing with the whole empire thing. Yeah. Um, and so her whole thing right now, her whole mission is to be at the forefront of any of these, like, you know, big galactic 
kind of things. Yeah. Um, and they did hint at the very end of that book when they announced that there was going to be a sword something, that Abigail was leading something. There was like a weird two-page bit at the end of that book that showed death and destruction and things not going well and sword like shows up guns blazing like well let's clean this mess up yeah and so clearly it's gonna be some sort of so yeah so she's gonna be making big moves um they seem like you know they might be a little bit more outwardly aggressive than previous sword which previous sword just kind of waited for stuff to come into our solar system and then deal with it um so it'll be interesting to see what direction that goes narratively. And then also just, it really feels like Al Ewing is laying down tons of mystery and tons of threads that could pan out. Um, and I mean, we just got, you know, we, with the whole house of X powers of X Krakoa thing, we got, uh, the five, which are the key to mutant resurrection. And now we have the six, which is this, like, without spoiling too much this group that's able to do some really interesting interdimensional stuff like yeah. interdimensional travel and whatnot so um it's really cool how it pans out and i think both narratively and just with the creative team they're really planning on doing a lot of putting a lot of important stuff into this um and so this would definitely be a cool x book to pick up i'm very excited uh a book i absolutely adore came out this week um Homesick Pilots, number one. This is by Dan Waters, who does another book I absolutely adore called Coffin Bound. Um, this one is some sort of like, it's it's hard to describe because it is a ghost story without feeling like a ghost story. It's yeah. a story about, you know, teenage punks trying to find their way in the world without being a story about teenage punks trying to find their way in the world it's a story about california without feeling too much about california and it's 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 interesting it's it's such an interesting complex book and it's so unique in its both its art style uh and it's it's writing style uh it's just fantastic the characters are very approachable and understandable especially if you've you know been on that side of the teenage years if you've been you know in bands and you know hanging out with people that maybe don't have a great home life or have been people that didn't have a great home life coming up and stuff like that um the main characters are all uh orphans and foster children um they do a lot of talking about that about being at different homes and uh whatnot you know it's steeped in the concepts of like urban legends and from the get-go it kind of feels you know very much like a either like a stranger things like younger led horror movie or a uh your typical like b horror movie by setup um just there's an urban legend about a house that kills people you know this punk band's like dude we should do a show in that house that would be great and then stuff goes south. Yep. But the way stuff goes south is just so unique and different than what we've seen. And the kind of result of everything going south is incredibly unique. And the the thrust of the story going forward from what we got a taste of towards the end of the book is just incredibly different than anything that we've ever seen. Um, it's It's awesome. It's supernatural. It's neon. It's bright. And it's funny. And it's energetic and it's just a really good book 
This was a really cool book. Yeah, it it made a lot of things come to mind that shouldn't necessarily be like smushed together, but worked really, really well because it has like a like a very punk kid vibe. Like you you've got like a punk family, almost like the kids in the band in the book we recently read where they're trapped in the airport. Mm-hmm. Terminal punks. Yeah. Yep. It's got like a Terminal Punks vibe, but it also has a vibe very much like Ghost in L.A., which I've been reading, which is really good. Yeah. Um, which is very much like a, a chick book, but it kind of has that similar look and feel to it as well. Yeah. But then it also made me think of there's a, a Hulu anthology called The House that's like a mini. Okay. That's yeah. got like um, it's like a mini horror short and it's all different like iterations of the same house. And it immediately gave me those vibes too. And then I also kind of got like Channel Zero, like Endless House. Yeah, yeah, no vibes. end home. Yeah, kind of vibes. So it was just like all these weird things that shouldn't come together that don't necessarily inherently make sense on the front. But then when you're reading it, you're like, no, this works, and I really enjoy it, and I think it's really cool. And I'm really curious as to where they're gonna go because I feel like what we see in the actual first issue is very different from where it ends in the first issue. Like there's a massive disconnect and I'm super interested to see how they tie all that together. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it feels like somebody took a typical creepypasta story and put it on a backdrop of like bright colors and high energy characters with a soundtrack compiled of completely like 19 mid 1990s punk rock. Yeah. And it's like, hey, here's here's my project, you know, because yeah. it does have that kind of creepypasta vibe to it. It does. Because that's a, a lot of the really good creepypastas, you know, coming out of places like Reddit or 4chan or wherever you're getting your creepypastas from. Something awful is one of the sites. Yeah, something awful is um, You know, wherever you're getting your creepypasta from, things like, you know, the stairs in the woods and no in home and stuff. Part of what makes them so magical is that they don't fall into like the typical horror movie tropes. Right. They're presented around them, but they're kind of eldritch and bizarre. It's weird fiction more than anything. Yeah. Um, and this in and of itself is weird fiction. I mean, on the first page, we see this house magically assemble into like a Voltron type wooden behemoth and yeah. then start walking around. Did that actually happen? We don't know. No idea. Where's the time frame on this? And I love that you mentioned that it feels like a mashup of stuff because one of the things that originally caught me for this book was seeing like the solicitations and advertisements for it where they describe it as expect three chord songs and big bloody action. That's Power Rangers meets The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's not a bad like, yeah, mashup. Okay. okay, yeah. I get it, especially with the walking haunted house. But it, um, <laughs> yeah, it just it feels... It feels like a a more approachable weird fiction story than a lot of weird fiction stories can be. Right. That is built upon the bed of what you would expect out of like a haunted house or a shining type thing where a house claims you and stuff. Uh, But, you know, expanded into something different and kind of weirdly heroic and weirdly nostalgic in its own way. Yeah. Um, But it's just it's a cool book. And I I love the color schemes they chose to use. I love the artwork that they chose to use. The covers are beautiful. Uh, It's it's cool. It's it was a very refreshingly cool book. Yeah. So I definitely dig it. I'm excited to see where it goes. Next on the list. Oh, no, I closed my list out. Oh, no. Is Vampirella the Dark Powers number one? Hey, you stole it. I was coming. (laughs) 
T would like to talk to you guys about. I would like to talk. But she closed her phone. So Vampirella, the dark powers. Oh really? Is that what we're talking about <laughs> next? Shut up! Oh my I God. didn't mean to. My phone's so slow because I need a new one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so part of what makes this book really cool, in my opinion, is that it's incredibly different from the standard Vampirella stuff that we get. I really like when they go weird with Vampirella because Vampirella is a weird character. She's an alien, but a vampire, but an alien. Also, she wears a G-string. It's a weird character. You know what I'm saying? So when they do weird things with it and put her in strange circumstances, I feel like it just works better. And this one's a really, really cool concept. Because apparently the basis of it is that Vampirella was minding her own damn business and this group of superheroes effectively come to her and are like, hey, we're, you know, a group of superheroes, very Justice League-esque. We span across different dimensions and timelines and stuff. And we want you, we know that you're a powered being and we'd like for you to participate with us and help us fight bad things, fight evil, fight, you know horrible experiences and be a part of our team and she's like pass and then they won't leave her alone and so finally she's like look i'm not a team player i don't like doing this stuff but fine whatever i'll join your stupid little team because you want me to and what's so cool about it is that she joins this team and is instantly the most logical rational reasonable meta character of this entire like hoity-toity group because if you think about the justice league you think about their like family-friendly costumes and they wear very specific attire and you know they have very specific protocols that they follow and you have to do certain things a certain way and there's paperwork and like there's there's you know in in the dc universe the like wonder twins are effectively like like tour guides for the hall of justice like it's that excessive to where most of the time when you have these like group superhero teams it's like bureaucratic and vampirella comes in here and everything about it rubs her the wrong way from the way they handle combat to the way they go in to handle things to the what they want her to wear they're like what happened to your outfit she's like it was itchy and it restricted me and they're like okay but you need to wear it and she's like why i'm trying to help people why does it matter what i wear i'm not comfortable (laughs) get off my jock Mm -hmm. and it's just so interesting because she does things in a very savage way she does things in a you know she kind of makes her own little massacre at one point because you know she's vampirella it is what it is but everything she does makes sense in the context of her doing it and her not understanding this weird bureaucratic strict rules high expectations superpower team just makes so much sense yeah so um the superheroes that she's teamed up with are part of pro they're the project or project superpowers it's a book that dynamite put out a few years ago um when did they put that out when did they start that 
2008 they started that um and it was a book that resurrected a bunch of like golden age superheroes bought from all kinds of different publishers even some that were like public domain right basically dynamite was like we can get these guys cheap let's do something with it. let's do it um <laughs> then they got i think like alex ross was involved to some degree oh that's awesome um, and yeah, it was it was a big deal when it came out, but they haven't really done much with it. And honestly, you know, if you take Golden Age characters and you don't change them that much, you got to, yeah, you got to, <laughs> you need to approach them with how kind of weird and, you know, out of place they feel. And I think this book does that well. Yeah, um, absolutely. The characters are, you know, I mean, they're your typical expectation for superheroes and they all have their own sort of thing going on. Um, and I, I do, I agree. I like that it, uh, I like the juxtaposition of Vampirella with that because it's more than just like, I'm doing heroics, but not the way you want them to be done. It's literally, she's like, I'm doing heroics the way you want them to be done. And they're like, no, you're not, you're not. And she's like, but you said, do this. And I did this. Yeah. I don't understand. You know what I mean? We need to secure the perimeter. Okay. It's less I secured the perimeter. Yeah, it's less like um, you know, you have characters like Red Hood who are like, I shoot bad guys because I'm angry and Rawr. Batman, you never kill anybody and that's messed up and these guys just back out on the streets. So I'm gonna show you that I'm better than you and I'm gonna kill guys and then they'll never be back on the streets again and it's like He's still best boy. You know, you have superheroes that, you know, do things different than or anti heroes that do things different than what the superheroes like, like the Punisher and Red Hood and stuff. Right. But they all kind of have their own sort of like dogma and like reason for doing that. You yeah. know what I mean? They all have some sort of like pillar that they've built this on. Um, and then you have the opposite, like your Deadpools and stuff where they do things not the way that superheroes want it done, but it's like zany and crazy. But usually and with all of these characters, it's fully intentional that they're doing things the opposite way on purpose. Yeah. And in this one, it's just like, no, look, you asked me to be a part of this. This is how I do things. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I stopped the bad guys. They're stopped, you know? Yeah. Secure the perimeter. I did. I secured it. And then I do like, you know, the kind of like golden age touch because Vampirella in and of herself. Granted, I say this, you know, I am reading the Christopher Priest run uh, and it's fantastic. Um, but a lot of Vampirella books feel a little old fashioned. Yeah. They just do. Uh, you know, the vengeance of Vampirella run that's going on right now has more of an old school vibe to it. It's very much steeped in that, like, you know, very like takes itself very seriously and there's demons and there's vampires from another planet and stuff like that. It's a very high fantasy vibe. It's just the, it's just the (laughs) seventies. It's just spinning out of the seventies when dudes were like, dude, what if there was like a vampire who like barely wore clothes, but she was like not like a Dracula vampire, so she could like go to the beach and stuff. Dude, I bet she was an alien. Uh, oh, she could be an alien from like I don't know, the planet uh Dr- Draculon. Dude. Sell it, print it. Um Done. <laughs> That's at least how I imagine it went. Um But, uh, you know, so she, it's weird because she weirdly fits with these characters, but then also doesn't. Super doesn't. Because she's spinning out of a similar time, not similar time frame, but a similar kind of like 
origin era. She's old school. Yeah. What, you know what I mean? Like, she's not a modern character. Yeah. Uh, but she's a different not modern character, you she's know? She's from a very different vibe, And it's yeah. just, it's fun to see that kind of juxtaposition. Uh, it's not the prettiest book. I do have to say that. I don't like to call people out. I can't draw. I can't. Yeah. I am not good at it. Um, I don't like to critique art too much, but I just got to say the interiors are ugly. They're not pretty. They're not good looking. Yeah. And just for a company built on basically the premise of like, hey, she's hot doing stuff. Want to read about it? You'd think <laughs> you think they'd put a little bit of extra effort into the interiors, but Unfortunately, um, we all know that they're not selling the books based on the interiors. They're selling the books based on whoever's doing the covers. Yeah, I mean, beautiful covers, great covers, uh, but just the interiors of this were, ugh. it was fine. Like, it wasn't so much that it took me out of it. It kind of became a part of the whole shtick of the book, um, looking a little ugly and a little less pretty, uh, kind of fit in its own way. But uh, I guess if I had one critique about this, I would like it to be little bit better in the interiors you're, you're on a you're like your your argument is valid because there was one panel that i actually like i did get taken out because she made a face and i was like i can't yeah i laughed like it, it took a, me out of it because i was laughing at the face it was a was little rough face. and it you know everybody has their craft everybody has their style and that's fine to have your style and do your artwork and stuff but um it, it did disjunct me a little bit from like being fully into the book because it was just a little rough. Um, but, you know, moving past that, it's a fun story. It's, you know, a fun juxtaposition of different characters and it's weird characters. It's it's nice to go into this expecting it to be kind of weird. And they really do a nice balance of like letting Vampirella be kind of a serious character without being like too intense. Yeah. But also being a little tongue in cheek, like they take selfies and she's really like uncomfortable by her selfies and stuff. She felt like the raven of that team. You yeah. Know what I mean, like in the Teen Titans cartoon, how like a lot of comedy is based off of Raven's just like deadpan delivery of stuff. And that was kind of Vampirella's role in this. Nobody yeah. was particularly like a jokester. So she wasn't really doing an active straight man thing, but she was just as weirded out being on this t interdimensional superhero team as the reader is seeing her on this team. Yeah. It makes me excited because I think we've got another one of these coming up with Red Sonia. Oh, nice. Um, on Love her it. own sort of team. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but it was cool. It was a, if you're looking for more like dynamite stuff, more Vampirella stuff, this one is a fun book. It was cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, lastly, I wanted to talk about a one shot, a prestige magazine size one shot. Thank you, God. Big and beautiful. More magazines, please. I want them. I drink them up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I drink your magazine shake. Uh, <laughs> Aftershock pumping out a one-shot horror title by Colin Bunn. Uh, yes. This one is Piecemeal. Uh, it had a just really good B-horror movie vibe to it. Like yeah. it, it felt like the type of thing I would like C got four and a half skulls on Shutter, and I'm like, that's good enough for me tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't like, and it's it's like a more modern B 
B-movie feel because it it hits on some darker tones and some darker subjects and stuff. So it's like it's like one of those horror movies that was made in like 2009 and like came straight to DVD. <laughs> but wasn't so bad that it was a sci-fi movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was it was it was fine. We went like straight to a streaming service in 2014. You know what I yeah. mean? It felt like something like that. Um Otherwise, it you know, it feels familiar in its own way. It's got creepy house with creepy stories about it. I know we already talked about a book that had that same kind of thing, but hey, here we are. Um, it's like you shut people in for an entire year and suddenly everyone's afraid of houses. Um, <laughs> that's the main fear in 2020 is house. It's valid. Uh, but I'm not mad at it. Yeah, it it. Creepy house, creepy stories, teenagers graduating, some are graduating, some are not. They're trying to figure out, like, where their life is going. One of them's being very bleak about it. He's got a grandpa at home who has very serious dementia, um, and he's having to help take care of them. Uh, and he's just like, what do we do next? What comes next? Like, this could be our last night. We should do something cool. And then they go to this house, and they find a brain in a jar and stuff gets weird from there. Kind of feels a little like a weird modern B-movie remake of the Telltale Heart. Yeah, it's like... It's cool. It's like one part, you know, typical urban legend horror story. One part, you know, Lovecraftian reanimator style stuff. It's got, you know... And there's enough mystery there that it's like, is this a supernatural thing? Is this a science fiction thing? Is this demons? Is it witchcraft? Is it what's going on? Is it um, horror thriller? And yeah, we don't know yeah, the other it, stuff happening on the back end. Like, who do we trust? Is our narrator reliable? Like what's yeah. going on? Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of different vibes to it that really just flow together well. But then you're left at the end with enough mystery that you can really interpret the book however, however. you want. Um, there's moments in it that you could interpret one way or the other, and it's just, it's fascinating. I also got a shout out to, I believe it's Simon Kudransky. Um, the art is so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's like dark and like colorful, but like bleakly colorful. It, it's, it, there's these like bright purples and pinks but they still make it feel very ominous it's almost like um what was that recent movie with nick cage a color out of space or whatever yeah and it it kind of has that where there's like all this color but it it still feels very dark and ominous mm -hmm. and i think that's so cool i love that use and the art is very like pretty but a little shaded but a little like sketchy still it I don't know. It was just, I feel like that really tied in all of the pieces was the art of this book because it really helped flesh out the vibe you were supposed to get. Yeah. And that's why I say it has that very like mid 2000 teens kind of horror movie. Cause I feel like there was a lot of those coming out where they were doing a lot with like lights and colors. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, different color flashes and time flashes. I feel like I've watched a lot of like random horror movies on Netflix where, the main character is dealing with something and like popping in and out of like a dreamscape and popping in and out of like time and stuff. And yeah, it's, um, you know, in the like 2014 to 2016 range, I feel like there were a lot there of those. Some, I gotta say there's some good horror movies on Netflix. 
There's some good horror movies on Netflix. And Shudder. We recently oh, got Shudder. We were very much enjoying it. I've always wanted to do a horror podcast. I've thought about it for years. Really? Yeah, yeah. Doing, like, I don't know. I don't know what. I just love horror, and I would love to do more with horror, but who knows? Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> anyway, piecemeal is very good. And again, I can't stress it enough. It's a freaking magazine, and I just want more. I want more magazines. DC's been pumping out magazines forever. Um, forever. It's been like two years. Quote unquote forever. 2020, man. Um with all their black label stuff and you know, you'll see an occasional indie book like uh, Electric Black just released like a special edition a couple weeks ago. That was a magazine size and stuff like that. But I just need more. I need more magazines. They're so nice. They're so nice. And general shout out to Cullen Bunn because I feel like he has started to usurp that comic title of like the horror guy. Because I feel like every time I look around, it's like, hey, look, Cullen Bunn's got a new horror book. Oh, did you notice? Cullen Bunn has another new horror book. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. Okay, oh, let's hell. go. <laughs> let's do the damn thing. I'm okay with Be it. Be our friend, Cullen Bunn. Be our friend. <laughs> I think just all our episodes now are just calling out writers being like, like us. <laughs> hey, actually, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Bunn actually retweeted us um, recently. <laughs> So maybe he is our friend. We're basically famous, you guys. <laughs> no, we're not. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for us. Yeah, I think that's it. Pretty short week. Not too much coming out. Comic companies are probably just making ways for the holidays, but some good stuff all the same. Definitely. If you want more Cover B, you can find us on our website, coverbpodcast.com. For all of our past episodes and our special episodes, it is starting to get near to the holidays. So if you need to get yourself some purchases, we have some cool stuff. You can check out our powered gaming episodes or our graphic novelties or any of these things that might give you holiday shopping ideas. Um, we also are on Facebook and Twitter at Cover Me Podcast. If you want to follow us for news and announcements and fan art and cool covers and random memes about Baby Yoda, because Grogu's still adorable. Mm -hmm. Still adorable. Little baby Grogu. <laughs> anyway, I think that's going to do it until the next episode of, of Cover B. Bye, everybody. 